Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Hi, everybody. All right, so this happened last week. Do you guys remember last week when I very sweetly and kindly mentioned to you that I wanted to play a new role as a pastor here at the church, that I wanted to play the grandfather role in your life? Y'all remember that? I explained it to you. I said, I just want to see the good in you. Bring out the good. Remember me saying that? Just being sweet. Because see, a senior pastor role, a lead pastor, they're kind of like the father. They, they, they'll hug your neck, but sometimes that, that hug feels more like a, like a headlock. <laughs> it turns back into a hug pretty quickly, but not a grandfather. Grandfather doesn't play like that. Grandfather just, he just sees the best in you. Whatever you do is all right. You know, just loves on you. Well, I ran into one of our sweet ladies from our church out in the community last week. And she said, oh, Pastor, you were so funny last Sunday. That was so funny. She said, I just love it when you talk to us like a crazy old grandpa. <laughs> I, I didn't say crazy Oh, You can't just go adding adjectives all nilly-willy. <laughs> but, man, I love our church. I love what God has done here. This is, if you don't know it, I'll go ahead and tell you, a very special place in Colorado. A very, very special place. And if you remember, I want to kind of run through it. If you remember last week, I talked to you about the fact, and, and by the way, Merry Christmas, y'all. Merry Christmas. That the very first Christmas was all about you and I having an everlasting life. You say, well, I thought it was about Jesus coming out so that we could have everlasting life. If you have Jesus, you have everlasting life. If you have everlasting life, you have to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You, you cannot have one without the other. The reason why God let His Son be wrapped in human flesh and sent here to this earth that first Christmas morning was so that you and I could live forever. Now why was that? Because God knit you together in your mother's womb not to live here forever. He gave you what he called a very short life. He said, I want you to number your days so you know it. Here you are in 2018 and not back here in 1820. Because if you were in 1820, you wouldn't be here in 2018. He wants you to see that, to know that, to understand that. He says that in this life it's going to be short. It's going to go by quickly. So keep track. And then he says, there's going to be trouble in it. So all these things are going to be wrapped up into this one life that you are living right now so that you would never, ever forget that this is not your home. Your body's growing older. It was meant to. Your brain's growing older. It was meant to. You're going to wear out your body and you're going to wear out your brain and then you're going to leave here. you leaving at some point. So Jesus wants to make sure that when you leave here, you go the right direction. That's why Jesus spent his time talking about this awkward subject of hell. 
He said, every person who lives, he said, accept me as your Lord and Savior that you would not perish because people are going to perish. So then Jesus tackled the subject of hell like nobody else in the New Testament. And then it's reiterated again and again in the Bible where you have to know Jesus in order to be saved. And that is the most important thing that a person can do in this one and only very short life is to accept Jesus Christ, the gift of Christmas, the gift of everlasting life as your gift. Now, I know some people, they say, well, you know what, I'm just going to kind of go ahead and do life my way. And then when I get to the end of my life, then I'll get things right with God so that I can go to heaven. But here's the problem. You don't know when that little point right there is coming. It could be 20, 30, you don't know. God says that you have, that you have uh, uh, 70 years on this planet, 80 if you have the strength. Now I'm looking at some of you, I don't know that you got the strength. <laughs> but let me ask you a question. How many of you are, very quickly, you are 80 years old. Would you raise your hand, slip your hand up, 80 passed. Okay, great. All right, that's wonderful and all and congratulations. But do you know what that means? That means somebody's gotta die at 60. You say, well, that's like a Debbie Downer moment, isn't it? Well, no. Bible says number of your days. Jesus said you're going to have 70 years on this planet. Do you know what the, the worldwide uh, age span is on this planet? You know what it is, where people live, live to? 70. So even though there's people living, and people say, well, people are living longer today. Well, that's, that's wonderful, but that means a lot of people are dying earlier in this day and age. Because the 70s never going to change. So Jesus, the important factor about Jesus is he's teaching us, so you don't get to stay here. It's coming to an end, just like all these people in the past. So make sure you know me so that you can have everlasting life. And then, of course, he, he, he says, I don't want any of you to go to hell, he said. Now, man, that's my prayer for you. Please, please listen to me. Let me grandfather pastor you for a second. Please don't go to hell. Please don't let any of your family members go to hell. Please address that issue. There, everybody, this is the equalizer on everyone in the, in the, on the planet. The equalizer is their life will come to an end one I don't care if they're the president of the United States. I don't care if they live in other countries. The equalizer for all of us where we all line up is our life is very, very short. And then when Jesus talked about this place and it's reiterated in the New Testament, notice what he says, these inescapable truths about hell. Take a look at them on the side screen with me. They're popping right up. There they are. Look at them. Right? <laughs> He, it's a place of torment, Luke chapter 16. Now, give me the next one. Look at this. Look at this. It's, it, it, it lasts forever, Jesus said, Revelation chapter 14. Give me the next one. The next one says, there is no escape. And here's the final and the really good news of this. Here it is. You don't have to go there. So Jesus came so that you would not perish. You could have a home forever in heaven by trusting him as your Lord and Savior. And that's why Jesus came that very first Christmas day. Man, I was, uh, I was doing a, a funeral service not, not long ago. And by the way, I think I've walked with over 2,000 families through funeral services in the last 42 years of my life. And I've walked through more cemeteries. I've sat in more funeral homes. I've gone into the casket viewing room and helped families pick out caskets and uh, uh, discussed this, the, 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 a number of times is, is cremating a loved one okay as opposed to burying them in, in the ground. All these kind of, I've had all, all those. And, 
And I absolutely, I absolutely love helping a family with a funeral, but because I feel like that is a, one of the greatest honors that can ever be bestowed upon a pastor is, is for a family to say, would you help us through this time? And I, and I, I love it. it. It's precious, and it, it just draws all of us closer together. We have that common denominator, losing loved ones, so it, it's pretty special. And I was getting ready to do this, this funeral service, and, and I was meeting family members like I like to do, those that you know, come in from out of town. And two, two family members came up to me, and I said, hi, you know, I'm Pastor Hooper, and I'm introducing myself, you know, all this. And, and I said, man, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's good to be able to do, I understand you're, you know, she was saved, the woman was saved, and, and she's in heaven, it's good to know that. And I said, uh, I said, man, what a, what a great opportunity to make sure you know that the rest of your family members are saved. And very quickly, very quickly, uh, combative and confronting me, they, one of them said, hey, this is not the time to talk about God, to talk about salvation, to talk about things like being saved. This is a time just to celebrate our loved one's life. And, and so, you know, I, I've had that before. I mean, it didn't. And I said, well, I said, are, are you saved? Uh, we don't use words like saved or salvation or anything like that. And I said, okay, okay, I get it. All right, all right, I get it. So we went into the funeral and, you know, and, and, and service. And, and when it came time for me to get up, get up and talk, I said, listen, your loved one's in heaven. And I'm going to answer two basic questions. Number one, where are they? Heaven. Number two, will you ever see them again? The answer to that is, are you saved? Do you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Because the plan of salvation was given by God only through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you ever want to see your loved one again, then you must know and ask Jesus to come into your heart and save you so that you might be saved, which is the plan of salvation, so that you might go to heaven and see your saved family member again. See, 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 because my assignment doesn't change. I was given my assignment many, many years ago. I was speaking at Grand Junction High School graduation service. I was asked by the students, the uh, graduating students, if I would come and speak many years ago at Stoker Stadium. And the place was packed. And I said, sure, I'd be honored to, you know, speak to the, to the graduates. And man, the place, they were on the field and family members were there. Their peers were there. The, the, the faculty was there of the school and all this. I get a phone call one and a half hours before I'm supposed to speak. Now, I've got my, I got my speech memorized. I know what I'm going to say. And the phone call on the other end said that, that, you know, some of the faculty are concerned that you might talk about God. <laughs> you know, being a pastor and all. And we'd appreciate it if you wouldn't hit any controversial topics and not talk about God. And if you pray, don't end it, you know, in Jesus' name. So I said, graduates. I said, I said well, thank you for that. Thank you so much. I said, graduates. If you want to live the best life you could possibly live when you graduate out of high school, you must have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. you got to ask Him to come into your heart, ask Him to forgive you of your sins. That not only you can have a home in heaven, but you can have a great marriage, you have great finances, you can have great everything, but you ain't going to do it on your own. got to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, see. And I want to pray over you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. That's what I did. Because my assignment is already given. Never forget as a church that has a lot of fun that we are in the serious business of being in a very serious business. Because the gospel message of Jesus Christ is not about good, bad people becoming good. It's about dead people becoming alive. That's what we do. That's what we do. Now, after you're saved, born again, know the Lord is your personal Savior. Now, you got an issue of doing life until you get to heaven. Heaven's going to be awesome. Not going to need anything in heaven. 
But until you get there, you got to have resources. We talked about this last week. Now, God told Malachi to give us a plan. He said you can live to an overflow level if you partner with God financially. He said, hell, you do certain things in your Christian born-again life, going to heaven and all that. If you do certain things with your finances and partnering with God, then God will open up the windows of heaven, pour out for you more room than you'll have, you know, to hold it all. That's that overflow level. But every grown-up adult in here knows, you absolutely know, the pressure of trying to keep the resources coming in ahead of your resources going out. I talked to a business owner this last week and he said, man, I don't have a spending spigot. He said, I have like a four inch fireman hose where the shutoff handle's been broken <laughs> with 20 to 30 employees. He said, I feel that pressure every day. Now here's where grownups get grouchy. Anytime that you are able to, with one income or two incomes or maybe two and a half, keep your resources coming in above the spending spout. And then your teenager goes out driving your car and gets a speeding ticket and then gets another speeding ticket and now they got to get all special insurance that runs it up to almost more than the car payment. The parent gets grouchy when they work really hard to get above that spinach spigot and somebody makes a decision to bring those resources down with the outflow being more. Am I relating to anybody in here at all? I just... So this is where adults get grouchy. We all feel the pressure, the responsibility staying above that spending figure. We don't want to be living day to day, paycheck to paycheck. And God said we didn't have to. You, you get to decide that in your one and only short life. Well, I don't know. I don't want to ask God for much. Well, I, uh, why? He owns it all. Look at, this, look at this ocean on the side screen. Remember this. Oh, how inexhaustible are God's resources. Well, you, you know, you can go to mom and dad and tap them out. You're not tapping out the Heavenly Father. He has it, loves it. What's he going to do with it if he doesn't give it to you? He doesn't need it. So he pours it out on you, right? I love that. So if your Heavenly Father has it all, how many, how many meetings do you guys have a week? Now think about it. You meet with an individual. You meet with your mate. You meet with your kids. You meet with your boss. You meet with coworkers. You meet with friends, you meet with family members, you meet with a lot of people. You have a lot of meetings throughout the week, am I right? How many of them have resources to pour in your life like God has? I love this. Take a look at this. I love it. Some people sleep in like they're rich. I'm up early meeting with God like I'm broke. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need that. So your saved, born-again self is going to need a lot of things as you're on your way to heaven. You certainly, certainly will. So what do you want for the rest of your life, your born-again life? You're going to need salvation, of course. You're going to need a great attitude, yeah. You're going to need to talk and think like you're saved. The Bible says, be of good cheer. Can I, can I get the definition of be of good cheer? Look at this on the side of the screen. You've got to go back some because I passed this because I'm just that fast. It, it means to express happiness, excitement, and encouragement. It's a sense of general well-being and optimism. When? When you're going through trials, troubles, difficulties, problems. Well, I, I just feel like I ought to be able to talk like I want to talk and think like I want to think and have an attitude like I want to have when things are going bad. Well, then you, my dear born-again child of God, will act like everybody else on this planet and not as a born-again child of God with his resources available to you. So that, 
so the Bible says, yeah, you got to have a good attitude. You got to talk right. You got to think right. That's important to have a good life. You got to have lots of stuff. God says, ask me for it. I'll pour it into your life. We'll stay ahead of that spending spigot. But here's something else I'm going to need. On top of all that, I'm going to need some miracles. On top of all that, I'm going to see and need God to make a way when things are out of my control. Now, I'm an A-personality type choleric sanguine. I'm a 29-point choleric, 10-point sanguine, 1-point melancholy, and no phlegmatic. That means I like to take charge. I like to carry the ball, especially when it's important. I like, because I'm a sanguine, taking people with me. Here, you block for a while. Now you carry the ball. I'll block for you. Come on, we can do this. Let's move I like that. I like to laugh and have fun when we're getting projects done. But we got to get the project done, and then I like to like it. I don't want to just laugh and have fun if we're not accomplishing anything. I want to accomplish something and laugh and have fun doing it. And one point melancholy. That basically means I like my silverware to be straight beside my plate. <laughs> but I don't care anything else about the rest of it. I'm not a, I don't care about those other details. Just one. But God, God tells us that there are going to be things that we have in our life. Now, we got to do everything we got to do. Yeah, we do. You got to work, got to get a job, got to go out, got to, you know, fill out papers. You got to do all that. So you got to do your thing. You do what you can do. God will do what he can do. But there's more and more times in my life as I get older that I realize I am not in control of that. I am not in control of that loved one's decisions. I am not in control of the, of the fact that they would do this or they would do that. No, I'm not in control of any of that. And there are many things that are going to hit our life that I've seen hit people's lives when it comes to health issues totally out of your control. So if we're going to live this life the way God wants us to live it, this one and only very short life until we get to heaven, we've got to have some miracles along the way. Now here's a, I'm not going to call it a formula, but here are some principles in a wonderful story that will bring about and help you understand your next miracle. Mark chapter 8 verse 22 and when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Well, one real short point to this. Jesus just got there, and he just left there with one man who was about to get a miracle. He said, well, Pastor Hooper, if, if I ask God for a miracle, will I, will I get it? You know, I... I don't know. I don't know. Can I tell you the number of people in Bethsaida that day who didn't get a miracle? It was every other person in that town that didn't ask for one. They were guaranteed not to get it. <laughs> this man asked. Jesus took him by the hand. Now they brought this man to Jesus and wanted Jesus to touch him. You would usually come to a teacher to be taught, but there's some things going on in my life that you can't teach me out of. You see, God's Word being taught informs me. But God touching me transforms me. That's why we can't be a part of a church that just teaches. I mean, there's a lot of good things that go on around here, but there's got to be some point in the services where the power of the Holy Spirit falls in your life, and you're not just being informed, you're being transformed. 
And if that's not put in there, then you'll fit into a whole lot of other churches where you just go get information, come home, forget the information and go on your life like you always have. Well, I don't, that church feels a little emotional sometimes. It better feel emotional. It better so suck you in, turn you around, flip you over, and change you to where you walk out of here and fix a marriage and not continue down the path of a broken one. And then notice Jesus let him out. He let him out of that area. He didn't just touch him and do what he was asked to do. He let him out because whatever area I want Jesus to fix, I must be willing to let him lead. Because if the way you were doing it was going to fix it, you'd already fixed it. That's some good grandpa teaching right there. I don't know. I'll give you a piece of candy when it's over. It'll be all right. And then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him. He spit on him. Uh, touch me and heal me. Poo. Here, let me. Poo. Spit. Everybody say spit. You, you spit when you said spit. Spit is messy. Spit is messy. And it wasn't what he expected. Don't miss your next miracle because you're you're picky about the method in which God is going to use to get it to you. Because it may not fit in your box or how he did it for somebody else. Because sometimes your miracle will come after your mess. Anybody's life feel a little messy right now? Well, congratulations. Your next miracle may not come to you in a neat little package that you might have imagined because God's got a thousand different ways that he could bless you. And it may not be from the area you think, oh, if God would just do this and just do that, then my life would be great. Well, he may not do it that way. I heard of a man who was, he just was praying. He just, for some reason, he didn't want to have a mortgage anymore. So he, was, he decided, well, I'm just going to ask God to pay off my mortgage. Well, he had 23 years left on his mortgage. But he decided, you know, I'm just, every day I'm going to get up, I'm just got to pay off my mortgage. Pay off. I have no idea how he's going to. My job's not changing. Nothing happened. Well, he had a loved one in his family die, and um, he got a phone call he never expected from the executor of the will of a family member that he didn't even know had saved money. And the executor of the will said, a few months ago, your loved one changed their will and put you in it for this amount of money. The man not only paid off his mortgage, he paid off a friend's mortgage and had plenty of money left over. God's got a thousand. That's why you never need to lose hope because you don't see the answer in this, on this path. God doesn't need your path to bless you with a miracle. So then he said, uh, do you see anything? And the man looked around and said, well, I see, I see, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Now, if he was blind, like I said last week, how do you know what a tree looked like? Unless he had his vision, he had something good and he lost it. Maybe people in here had a, a good job, a better income, benefits with it, and somehow they lost it. Maybe it was part of your fault. Maybe it wasn't your fault at all. Have you ever had a great relationship and you lost it? 
I'm not talking about even a divorce. I'm talking about your relationship you're in right now being better than what it is today. More boyfriend, more girlfriend, more laughter, more fun, more joy in the home. Had it, it was awesome, lost it. Maybe your fault, maybe it wasn't. Or maybe you lost vision for something. Lost vision for a great future, lost vision for a business you wanted to start, lost vision for a child growing up and, and being what God wanted him to be. Maybe you lost vision, you lost hope. And maybe it was your fault, maybe it wasn't. But notice the man's honesty. He said, I'm better, I'm better. Hey, I'm, I'm better, but I'm not completely better. He didn't have to say anything else. Jesus didn't even ask for permission to grab hold of him this time. He didn't ask for nothing. He just confessed where I'm at. I'm better, oh yeah, but I'm not completely better. And Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again. Now here's something you need to always remember. We serve a God of intentionality. Our Heavenly Father never does anything by accident. If our Heavenly Father is doing something, then He's doing something. But when it seems like He's not doing something, He's still doing something because He's not doing something on purpose. So He says He does it again. Man's eyes were open, His sight was completely restored, and He could see everything clearly. Jesus sent Him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home because, you know, because you have to know where not to go after certain things in your life gets fixed. You get your marriage fixed? Yeah. He'll fix it. You better know where not to go again though. Who not to go to again? Oh, he'll fix it. There's some places you better not go after he fixes it. He said, take the miracle home. For those people have been the one who suffered the most and have deal with the most because of the condition that you've been in. Take it home. That's some good grandpa preaching right there, y'all. Have you ever had God touch an area in your life and it's better, but then... It's still not where it's supposed to be. God, I thought this one touch was it. I thought this one church service was it. I went down front. I prayed. I held my hands in the air. I believed with all of my heart that this was the answer that I was looking for. Was the first touch God not good enough? Or because God is a God of intentionality, maybe another touch was his plan all along. Maybe it was intended to teach us, since God is a finisher, that if your miracle is not finished, then God's not done yet. Because if God is done, then your problem's finished. And if God is finished, then it's done. Here is my Christmas gift to you on the side screen. My message to you, my dear brother or sister, is that if you have a problem in your life that is not fixed yet, then there is another touch coming your way. Would, would you all stand with me? Just to teach you for information is never going to be good enough. 
Because there's some things, it doesn't matter who tells you what over and over again. There are some things you can't be taught out of. But one touch from your heavenly father doesn't just inform you, but it transforms you. You know how God says you can have a better life by the renewing of your mind. Well, I thought it was through salvation. No, that gave you a home forever in heaven. Now we got to work on perspective. You guys know the story of the cat diary and the dog diary, right? I'll try to remember it off the top of my head. This is going to be a little scary. A dog writes in his diary, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. I just ate dog food. Dog food is my favorite thing. It's now 11 o'clock in the morning. I get a ride in the car. Riding in the car is my favorite thing. He said, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I get to go to the dog park. Going to the dog park is my favorite thing. It's 6 o'clock at night, and they just gave me a treat. Having a treat is my favorite thing. It's now 8.30, and I get to watch TV with the people. Watching TV with the people is my favorite thing. It's now 11 o'clock at night, and I get to sleep on the floor all night long. Sleeping on the floor is my favorite thing. Cat Diary. It is now day 1,462 of my captivity. <laughs> What's the difference? Perspective. And you know what God's trying to change in your life so it'll be better? Perspective. He's trying to line up, he's trying to line up a poverty mentality with an overflow mentality. And that didn't happen when you accept Jesus as your personal Savior. That happens through information that leads to a touch of transformation that changes their perspective, that changes how you do this very short little life until you go to heaven. So once you're saved, and we've gotten past the very serious business of being in a very serious business, now it's all about the other. We can have fun with that. Well, I've also asked you this morning, how many of you need more than just being informed? You need a touch. Oh my God, I need another touch. I am better than I used to be. Let me take a minute to praise God for that, but I, I desperately need another touch. Another touch would change my life, change my hope, change my dreams, take away sorrow and grief. Another touch would fix this marriage, would fix my finances. Another touch would fix my mind and take this hopelessness out of me and take depression out and despair would no longer fill my life. Just another touch. And this being better, being better goes to being the best. I need another touch. What do you want for the rest of your life? Not just this Christmas. Oh, God, touch me again. Touch me again. If you need another touch in some area of your life or for a family member, would you please raise your hand all over this place? Would you join me down here for prayer? Come on, come on, come on. Join me down here. Come on down. You guys are so awesome. You're so transparent and you're so real. Jesus simply asked the question, how you seeing now? You know, I'm seeing. 
You know, some people would go, I don't even deserve tree sight. So I'll take this and go home. But when the man just said, <laughs> better, I am better. But it's still kind of messed up. Jesus did not ask for his permission, and he is not asking for yours. He's asking for you to be honest. And then he will take hold of you. And he will touch you again. You will not manipulate another touch. You don't really even have to ask for another touch. Because he loves you so much, he'll just grab a hold of you and touch you again. So that whatever you're dealing with right now that you're not seeing clearly, vision is restored. Vision's restored. Hope. Despair is out the door. Father, I thought you'd answer it this way, and we've already, you know, walked a little bit together. And God says, I have a thousand different ways to bless you. So quit looking at where you think it's going to come from and just look at me. Take my hand. Let me walk you to it, and here it is. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, that's our prayer. Touch me again that I'd never be the same. Now, Father, I'm living in the flesh. I have a mind that's not saved. That means I might need another one down the road. But touch me again. I need vision for my future. I've lost it. I've lost that vision for the future. I've lost hope. There's too much despair in me. I need zeal. I need joy. I need energy. You're emptying out despair for me now. All is not lost, Father God. All is not lost. Touch me again. Touch me again. There are a lot of people that sleep in, Father, like they're rich. I'm going to wake up early and meet with you like I'm broke. Touch me again. My marriage, my health, my finances, my loved ones, touch me again because that's what I want for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Did you praise him with me and stay right where you're at just for a second? He is a good God. So I don't know what your touch looks like and I don't know what your touch feels like. All I know is that after the touch, things changed. So don't be looking for a feeling today. Don't be looking for some emotional high. Just look for things right now in your life going forward and out of here to radically change. This blind man couldn't get to Jesus on his own, guys. And thank God he had some people in his life that loved him enough to take him to Jesus. And there are some people that we have in our life who they need a little help. They need somebody who loves them enough to get them to Jesus. Tomorrow afternoon at three and five are Christmas Eve services. There's hardly nobody on the planet that turns down an invitation to a Christmas Eve service. They think it's the safest time they could ever go to church. Well, tomorrow will not be a very safe time for them to go to church. 
because they are going to be giving some great music. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere in here. This place is going to be prayed over. And then our pastor is going to make the plan of salvation so simple to them, giving them the opportunity to be saved. Matter of fact, oh, I'm not leaving. Father, in Jesus' name, everybody pray this after me. My God and my Father, I believe Jesus is your son. Now I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Give me a home forever in heaven. I want to live the rest of my life with you. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you prayed that for, you know, before, you've already been saved. But if you hadn't done that, tell somebody today, tell somebody today, you did that. Hey, bring somebody tomorrow. Three o'clock, five o'clock, we'll see you there. Love y'all. Love y'all so much. I owe you a piece of candy. Now get out of here. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.